and welcome back to the No Excuses Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Dayton, and we are joined by a very special guest today. He grew up listening to the great Woody Durham with aspirations of one day taking his place. Now, he's the voice of Carolina football and basketball. Jones Angel, thanks for joining us. Oh, Sam, man, I appreciate you having me on. I'll correct one thing you said. I don't know if anybody can re- replace Woody. You know, he did That's this a good for point. years and was one of the very best to ever do it. I, I was honored to get the opportunity to, to come after him and try to keep the the high uh, the high standard that we hold on the Tar Heel Sports Network. I, I hope and think we've done a pretty good job and uh, love certainly love what we get a chance to do and uh, excited to talk to you today. I am too, and that's a good point about Woody M. Now... Anyone can obviously go to your Wikipedia. I'm sure a lot of the viewers or listeners know a lot about you already, but can you tell us something maybe you can't read off the internet about you? <laughs> well, that'd be, uh, considering I don't know if, I don't think I've read my Wikipedia, so I don't know what it says on there. So um, I will tell you that uh, I was born in Sanford, North Carolina, which is just, uh, oh, it's about, 35 minutes or so uh, from Chapel Hill. Um, the reason I was born there, uh, my dad was actually in the military, and he was stationed overseas at the time in Okinawa, Japan. And my mother didn't want to have the baby in Japan, so she uh, so she moved in with her mom uh, in Sanford, and that's actually where I was born, even though I only lived there for when I was just an infant there for a couple of months. And then went to Philadelphia, lived there for a little bit, then uh, moved back down to North Carolina and to, to Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is in the southeastern part of the state. Yep. And uh, that's really, uh, that's where I grew up, uh, was Jacksonville. And my parents still live down there. Uh, it's about uh, two hours, 2.15, something like that, uh, from Chapel Hill. So uh, far enough away to have some distance, but still close enough to get there if you need to. And um, then in, came to Carolina and, and graduated in 2001. And uh, they have been able to get rid of me. I've been able to hang around ever since. Well, yeah, I love that about you. You um, obviously grew up a, a diehard Carolina fan. I'm, I'm sure your family bled blue, and you guys would be listening every night on the radio. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're a Tar Heel family. I would say, uh, you know, that, that it runs in our family for sure. You know, my mom went to Carolina, and my dad went to Carolina, my sister went to Carolina, and my uh, brother-in-law went to Carolina, and I went to Carolina. My wife went to Carolina, so um, you know we are we are big Tar Heels uh, from personal experience, to be sure. And um, absolutely, we would listen uh, to the Tar Heel Sports Network. And you referenced that a little bit earlier, but you know it was my dad and I would always turn down the sound, and uh, it's harder to do now because the, the delay makes it tough. <laughs> we either are behind or, or ahead of the action, but my dad and I used to turn down the sound on the games on the TV and. You know, watch the games there and, and listen to Woody and Woody was with Big Mixon uh, for a large majority of the time that I was listening and uh, we'd listen to them every Saturday for football and you know Wednesday nights and Saturday afternoons for basketball and uh, it was a it was a big part of uh, of my childhood growing up and listening and rooting for Carolina and um, cheering on the Tar Heels so uh, it, it was so special for me not just to be able to come to Carolina but but then be able to to work with those guys to, to get a chance to learn from them and um, really pick their brains about what what how you do this the right way. So I, I consider myself very lucky in that regard. And you and Woody did have the opportunity to work together for a couple of years, right? Yeah, that's correct. So I, I'll give you the thumbnail version of, of what I did here. And Sam, I always tell young broadcasters to not 
not think this is the norm. You know, don't don't try to do it this way because I think it's very rare the way that it happened for me. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things I think are kind of evergreen and that I do think are things that, that young broadcasters should do, but I think the path is a little different. So I, I started working at the radio network when I was a sophomore in, in college. And so it was really the summer between my sophomore and junior year where I started working. And, you know, working would mean any number of things. Uh, that would mean that I would come down here after class uh, to, uh, I say here, it was to an old studio that's no longer there uh, that was in the Smith Center at the time, but I would go down to the studio and, you know, sometimes I'd have something to do and sometimes I wouldn't. And it, I just wanted to be around and to learn and to see the equipment and to see how things worked. And, you know, I certainly wasn't doing any high-level work at that time. I was getting people lunch or I was checking records in the media guides or I was listening to old tapes to, to find plays and, you know, just kind of stuff that needed to be done. Um, but the more that I was around, the more responsibility I was able to get. Um, and I did that by, by just being willing to do a lot of different things. And you know, I learned to shoot camera. Um, I learned to edit both uh, linear, uh, linearly and non-linearly. Now all editing on the video side is, is non-linearly. Um, which basically means you're using a computer program. Um, so I was I learned to do those type of things. I learned to edit audio. I put together features. I um, yeah I ended up uh, getting an opportunity to be on the air doing scoreboard. There uh, are women's soccer games on the internet. The first time it was audio only on the internet. First time we'd ever done an internet only broadcast. Um, and so I just was able to stick around because I was able to learn and help in so many different ways. I helped produce the, the coaches' TV shows. Yeah, back when we would, you know, back before it was harder to just uh, FTP a show up or drop it on a cloud drive like we do now, um, you know, you'd have to physically drive the tape to the TV stations. And sometimes that would be at 3, 4, 5 in the morning after a late night Saturday game. So um, I just try to make myself available and, and do a bunch of different stuff. And by proving that I was a hard worker and was reliable, uh, that's how I got more opportunities. And that's what I—that is one part that I think is evergreen uh, for a young broadcaster: is be willing to, to do different things, prove your reliability, um, and you have to diversify your skill set as well. Because uh, a broadcaster now is not just on the air; you have to be able to do so many different things: write, edit, produce in addition to what you're doing on the air. And so I, I thought all of that was really beneficial for me. Now, the part that is unusual is that I was able to go from that guy that was checking records and buying people or getting people lunch to uh, ultimately where I wanted to go all within the same organization. That doesn't happen very often. Um, and a couple big things happened. One was Big uh, Mixon left the Tarheel Sports Network to go become the play-by-play man for the Carolina Panthers, where he still is today. And when that happened, you know, I was calling women's basketball and baseball at the time for the Tarheel Sports Network, and I then elevated up to, to fill some of mixed roles. So I would host our pregame show, our halftime show, our postgame show. Um, I do a little bit of secondary color analyst work, not much. Um, and so I was then traveling with football, basketball. I was sitting with Woody. He and I were working together on the actual broadcast. Um, and so that's when I got to sit next to him for six years and, and really watch him work the final six years of his career. And I can't tell you, Sam, how beneficial that was for me. 
about situations, uh, to hear his opinion on things. And, and most importantly, it allowed me to see how he did it. Um, and I, I've told this story to, to other people before, but you know, the first broadcast that I was traveling uh, in that role was a football game in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. And so I was going into that broadcast feeling like, you know what, I'm going to prepare for this broadcast as if I was going to do the play-by-play. And I wasn't going to, but I wanted to prepare that way because I thought that it would benefit me in the long run to get used to that level of preparation that's needed to do a game. And so I felt really good, and I thought I had all this stuff ready, and, and I walked into the booth, and the amount of information that Woody had laid out in front of him was stunning. Uh, it, it looked like he was getting ready to fly an airplane or something. He had so much stuff in front of him and had done so much work leading up to that point that that's when I really realized that, yes, he was great on the air, and he had a great voice and talent, but what made what separated him is that he had done all this work beforehand, and, and that was really an eye-opening uh, scenario for me and, and one that really helped me as, as I continued on. So that was a long-winded answer, but uh, yeah, I, I feel so fortunate to have an opportunity uh, to get the, get the chance to work with those guys uh, next to them, talk to them, and, and learn the way that they do things, and I've taken some from both Woody and Nick, quite honestly, mm-hmm. and how they call games and prepare for games that, that I use now today. I was going to say that that's a fantastic answer. You just brought up the point that a lot of these play-by-play broadcasters haven't necessarily been in play-by-play their entire life, and there is a whole other side of it outside than just calling the game. You obviously did a lot of the dirty work before getting your opportunity. That's definitely necessary for anyone working in sports media that, as you mentioned, they can diversify themselves. Um, Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, I think... Because what you know, what's what's part of the attractiveness of these jobs? Well, you're going to the stadium or the arena, and you're talking about the game, and people pay you for it. That that's pretty sweet. But you don't just right out of college. You're you're really going to be sitting next to Jim Nance. You know, you you don't just have that happen. So media in general now, and I think this is the same way with really all forms of media is you're a bit of a one-man band, and particularly early in your career, if you're a young newscaster or something, for example, you know you may have to go set up your shot, do the work as far as actually reporting your, your piece, then go back and, and edit it and put it all together and, and then send it and be ready for air. And so you've got to be able to do different things. The media is no longer person A is here, person B is here, person C is here. Um, person A is normally doing A, B, and C, and, and particularly, again, early in your career. And then um, as you improve and as you get better and as you advance, then some of that breaks up a little bit and you don't have quite as much uh, the need to do that. You can specialize a little bit more, but, but it doesn't happen right at the beginning. If we could just jump back a little, I'm, I'm wondering if your hopes growing up was that you would become the Carolina play-by-play broadcaster. Yeah, it's a good question, and... You know, Sam, I always, I, I've been asked before, and, and I always say, you know, everybody, I think, has a dream like that, right? I mean, you know, I love Carolina, and, and Sam, I don't know who you love, let's say, it's Carolina, and that, I'm sure that, you know, that's something that you hope one day could, could happen, but these jobs are, are few and far between. How are you guys at the Carolina Sports Network able to come up with new content? You know, I think from the professional standpoint, we're also always trying to think of different content that we can provide 
to Carolina fans because I think it's no longer enough for the Dario Sports Network to only call the game. That, that's always going to be our boilerplate. That's always going to be our main focus, of course. Um, but people can get their information in different ways now, and we need to be ready for that. And you know, whether that was changed the way that we distributed our games, like for example, it was really hard to hear our games outside of just a radio station before a couple of years ago. But we pushed really hard. Uh, to get it to be free to listen to, either streaming or through apps. And now we've finally done that, and, and it's really much more readily and easily available without money or passwords needed or anything. You can just click a couple buttons and find it. Um, and we've also, you know, we're in year five now of a podcast um, that we do and has gotten tremendous response. And so, um, you know, we're always trying to think a different way. We just started or restarted, uh, in fact, this past week, uh, our weekly streaming show. So we stream a TV show, essentially, on uh, Facebook Live and on Twitter um, every Thursday. And, and in addition to the, the regular, quote-unquote, TV show that we do on the weekends during the year. And so um, we're always trying to think of different ways to reach Carolina fans and tell the Toriel story. And so, you know, that takes up my time, too. It's just on a professional level trying to continue to grow and move and change with the times and, and make sure that we're keeping ourselves relevant and make sure that we are telling the story of the Tarios to the Carolina fans. I was just going to mention that podcast. You co-host it with Adam Luke's called The Carolina Insider. How did that come to fruition? It was funny, uh, Sam. So several years ago, and, and for as long as I can remember up until this point that I'm going to start this story, we had done something called a daily show, which is just what it sounds like. It, it was a daily radio show, and they said they were running it, but we didn't have any great way to check because it was being played at different times on these different stations, and, and there was no continuity to it, and it just, again, wasn't the most effective way to do it anymore. And so we decided then uh, that we wanted to start a podcast, and for our coaches' shows, they go out on the radio at 7 o'clock on Monday night, and that's when... It, it won't be this way this year because of the current situation, but in the past, um, we were at Top of the Hill Restaurant in Chapel Hill at 7 o'clock, and that's where we did the show. When you're not calling a game for Carolina or on the Carolina Insider, how do you and your family try to stay busy? Sixth grader and a, uh, and a third grader, and they are active, and, and uh, so we sure my wife and I spend a lot of time doing stuff with them and, and uh, trying to make sure that they are active and doing what they want to do and getting good grades and all those different things. Um, love to play golf. That was one of the that was one of the things that killed me this spring. Is one of the fun parts about my spring is normally I get to be a part of a lot of golf tournaments and charity events and things like that. And, uh, it's great to do because you want to be active and be in the community and help out. But also I love to play. Getting a chance to play is fun. But uh, that unfortunately got got uh, got lost this past spring. So I'm looking forward to getting back to that hopefully in this next off season. Um, and uh, so we we try to. Stay busy. Just uh, try to have fun. Uh, enjoy life. A uh, great area that we live in here in the Triangle. Um, and so we, we try to take advantage of, of where we are. And, you know, I think from the professional standpoint, we're also always trying to think of different content that we can provide to Carolina fans because I think it's no longer enough for the Cardinal Sports Network to only call the game. That, that's always going to be our boilerplate. That's always going to be our main focus, of course. Um, but people can get their information in different ways now, and, and we need to be ready for that. And, you know, whether that was changed the way that we distributed our games, like 
mentioned that players and coaches coming on your shows, and obviously you've had that great privilege to work with hundreds, even thousands of players and coaches throughout the years. Has there been a player or two, coach or two, that has really stuck out to you, either because of their ability or just their personality? You know, that's a hard one just because I, I think there's so many so many good ones. Um, you know, I, I'll echo what I mentioned earlier. You know, I think our current situation with Matt Brown and, and Roy Williams is, is such a great one for me um, because they're both really good at what they do. They're both media-friendly. Um, they're, they're easy to work with. So both those guys have been terrific. Um, you know, Anthony Dorrance is, is awesome, uh, a legend, of course, just in college athletics in total and such a smart man and somebody who really thinks about things. I think at, at a unique level, um, so he's always fun to work with. Um, you know, Marcus Page was always a, a great one uh, for Carolina, just such a thoughtful guy, um, and, and really interesting to talk to about basketball and, and beyond. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many, and, and I think 99.9% of the, the players that you work with are, are good guys, fun to talk to, and interesting, and, and they're great to talk about football and basketball, but, but also about what they like and music and um, just different stuff. And, and so I, I will go back to the podcast and say I think that has also been a fun vehicle for us to do kind of longer form discussions with these guys to, to learn a little bit more. Because, you know, especially now, you know, a Carolina basketball player who's coming in, you know, he's used to talking to media. He, he's used to providing the 30-second soundbite. He's used to being asked, you know, how are you improving your jump shot or whatever? Um, but when you have that longer form opportunity to get to know them even more and talk about things, yes, you're going to talk about basketball, but talk about his background and his family and what he likes to do and um, stuff on the team and just all that different stuff. I think it, it really provides you a, a different outlet as well. So that's been a cool thing as well from that particular show that, that we've been able to take advantage of. Who have you really enjoyed working for over the years that – uh, you believe has made a significant impact on your career? Oh, boy. Um, There's probably a lot of names that come to mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, Woody and Nick both um, were so impactful for me because um, they, they are, they, they were very different, both um, so personality-wise, um, broadcasting-wise, um, that they were just on opposite sides of the spectrum, but both really, really good at what they did. And so I think that was really interesting for, for me to, to see the way both of them did it and take stuff from both of them. Um, and I don't think I do things just like either one of them, um, but I can definitely tell there are things that each one of them do that, that kind of bleed into what I do. And so, yeah, I think for sure those two guys uh, are two that have made such a big impact on me professionally. You know, of course, unfortunately, we lost Woody a, a couple of years ago to illness. Um, but Mick is, is still the play-by-play voice of the Panthers. Talked to him a, a couple of times a month. I just talked to him a few days ago, in fact, and so considered him not just a professional uh, uh, outlet, but a friend as well. And so uh, that, that's been really that's been really neat for me. And you talked about the geo uh, call earlier, taking the touchdown back, the punt return. But has there been any other jaw-dropping calls that you've had the privilege of announcing? Well, I, I think the three. The three plays that have stood out the most to me in my time doing this, um, one was, was a baseball call, and it was back in 2006, uh, Carolina beat Alabama in the Super Regional round to go to the College World Series, and Carolina had 
just coming on to do this. It really means a lot to me. Happy to do it, Sam. I look forward to talking with you again soon. 